The Fake Show podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, now with two locations, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com t-shirt designs, Mr. Antenna, now your host, Jim Tofty. It has been a sad and difficult week in rock and roll as we lost Don Everly and most recently Rolling Stones drummer Charlie Watts. I wanted to talk to my friend, music journalist Jeff Slate, to get his point of view, Jeff writes for Rockseller, Rolling Stone, The New Yorker, The Wall Street Journal, and more. And I've got him on the line right now in New York City. Hey, Jim in Las Vegas. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great, Jeff. Thank you. And, and welcome back to the show, boy. It's been a rough week, hasn't it? Losing Don Everly and now Charlie Watts. Yeah, our, our childhood is quickly, <laughs> quicker and quicker, uh, disappearing. It's, it's, it's a really tough loss. And I think you know, as people out there are reflecting on it, um, I think it's going to hit them in waves the way it will the guys in the band. You know, they're 80. It's going to sting. They probably don't know yet how they're going to respond to it. Well, this is a guy who's been there as long as I remember. You know, I, as soon as I started listening to music, Charlie Watts was right there. Yeah. So, so now we're in a world without Charlie Watts. It feels weird, doesn't it? It does, and and the Stones had announced that they were going out on tour, and they're going to be here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium in November. Do you think they'll carry on, or is it too soon to guess what their immediate plans will be? Well, like I said, I think it's too soon. I think, look, these are... When you lose somebody in your band like they did with Brian Jones in the 60s, or, you know, the Who did with Keith Moon in, in the late 70s, and you're young... You just carry on because you just don't know what to do. It's hubris. It's, you know, whatever it is, ego. And you just do it and, and, and you know, let the chips fall where they may. When you're 80 years old and this guy has been the backbone of your band and the guy who gave it its swing, gave it its sound, and he's one of the handful, maybe just him and Ringo, that everybody on the planet knows the name of the drummer in the band. Yeah. Um, you know, they're waking up today in a world without Charlie Watts, just like you and I are. And, you know, they have a different relationship for him, for you and me. It feels like a part of the family. It feels like the soundtrack of our lives for those guys, for Mick and Keith, especially it is their family, you know, I mean, they're, and they're going to have to figure that out. And, and I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's like any grief. It's going to come in waves and, and it would be, you know, remiss of us to try to predict what they're going to do. But they do have plans to to do those shows. And Steve Jordan is a great replacement. He's played with right. Richards for 30 plus years and he's a great, great drummer. It's it's maybe not quite the Rolling Stones anymore without without Charlie Watts. But, you know, and I in my understanding is they've got some some recordings in the vaults for a new record. So maybe, you know, hopefully we'll get another Stones record too in honor of Charlie. But, you know, your guess is as good as mine. I hate to be the guy coming on as the expert who doesn't have an answer, but I don't have an answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we and we we knew, Jeff, that he was not well, which is why he had dropped out of this uh, upcoming sure. tour, but not to this extent. I'm hearing heart problems, but I, again, it's all kind of speculation right now. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's it's all speculation, and, and it almost doesn't matter. You know, this right. this is a guy, like I said, who invented the job of rock and roll drummer, you know, name brand rock and roll drummer in so many ways, put on the records and and reflect on what the hole that he left really means. Because 
those songs without that swing isn't, you know, it doesn't, you know, satisfaction without that swing, honky tonk women without that cowbell and swing isn't the same thing. So, you know, not anybody could have done that job and that we were here when he was here is, is probably the thing we should be thinking about it, rather than, you know, that's for his family to worry about. Jeff, it's, <laughs> it, it's interesting. I, when the stones made their presence known in 1963, it seemed like they were kind of selling Charlie as the good-looking sex symbol, but I don't think that he was ever comfortable in that role. No, <laughs> and, and and you know what? God love him for it. I I The first time I met him was in the 80s at a crazy basement bar East Village art gallery show that Ronnie Wood was having. And I, if I remember, I may, maybe Keith showed up but i remember charlie being there because he was incredibly well dressed and he was kind of Always. by himself you know nobody wanted to you know break the ice and i did go over and and talk to him and what i remember about him was he was really funny but he wasn't above sort of poking fun at himself or ronnie or the stones in general and yeah. and i think that was a great attitude uh, to have uh-huh. so sex symbol no, uh-huh. uh, happy to be the drummer. I mean, he was a jazz fan, right? Nobody, nobody, you know, th- those guys aren't, you know, sex symbols in any meaningful way. So I think, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't think that ever sat well with him. And, and that was, that was management. And they did a lot of things in those days to sort of keep the brand rolling, but more of a classic look than the rest of the guys. So Charlie, Charlie was a jazz drummer in a rock band. He always said that. And I saw him play in his jazz band, and you could just see his eyes lit up with the joy of playing with those other musicians and playing that material. Yeah, I mean, that was his first love. That's what drew him to music. So, you know, like for the rest of us, we were drawn to our love of music probably by by the Rolling Stones or by rock and roll. Whereas he came from a different generation and, and it was jazz that really, you know, spurred him into pursuing that. And so, you know, when he got to meet those guys or when he got to play with those guys, that that was, you know, that's when he lit up. Um, you know, there's a great story. He when they were finishing up Tattoo You that I write about in the book, um, there were some holes in the record and he suggested getting Sonny Rollins in to play some saxophone and one of his great regrets was he was in england and they were recording they were finishing things up at electric lady here in new york city and sonny rollins had done a a a couple of nights at the bottom line here and they got him into the studio and he so he could get the swing right mick had to go out into the studio and dance for him while while he did the sax part (laughs) but charlie's big regret was he wasn't able to be there when sonny rollins did that overdubs and he didn't get to play with sonny rollins because he didn't care about keith richards or paul mccartney or john lennon he cared about sonny rollins so you know it's all your perspective but yeah yeah, he was a jazzer at heart absolutely and and i think that's what gave them that unique sound was he was like you said a jazz drummer in the greatest rock and roll band in the world jeff i saw them play here in vegas maybe 10 12 years ago something like that maybe not even that long ago but it was the best concert i've ever seen hands down and i've seen a a lot of shows over the years but they really had gotten to the point where the sound and and everything else was just perfect they're the rolling stones and they they (laughs) sure know how to put on a show but i think part of that is there's you know from the beginning there was a great chemistry and and i think what what 
maybe the technology for putting on those kind of big arena or stadium shows caught up with them. I think they always knew how to do it. It was just the, the technology wasn't there. I mean, if you listen to the recordings, you know, the bootlegs from the sixties, they sound like garage rock. I, I can't imagine that in person or in, in, you know, any situation other than, you know, a, a VFW hall in, in Minnesota or wherever they sounded like garage rock. You know, I, I think they were always the Rolling Stones. It was just that the rest of us caught up with them, but yeah, they sounded pretty great in, in the last few tours, didn't they? Jeff Slate's writings everywhere, Seller, Rolling Stone, Esquire, and so much more. And the 124-page book of liner notes for the Tattoo You box set. It's out October 22nd. Jeff, next time, hopefully, we'll be talking about lighter subjects. It's always nice to talk to you. Thanks so much. Jim, thanks, and hi to everybody there in Vegas. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. By the way, since I talked to Jeff, it has been announced that the Stones will carry on with the tour. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Ronnie Wood will continue their no-filter tour starting in St. Louis, September 26th. And great insight from Jeff about Charlie and how jazz artists just lit him up. And pretty exciting to think that the Stones have new material recorded that we have yet to hear. That does it for this special edition of the Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to the Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. Sweet.